Hello, I'm Pastor Keith Babb III, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of the Way Church of Tampa Bay. Our desire is that as a result of the word, that you no longer settle with simply coming to church, but you become the church. I pray that you enjoy this broadcast and that it challenges you, that it convicts you, and that it changes you. Thank you again, and let's enter into today's message. worthy and worthy to be praised. There is none like you. All we want is you. Hallelujah. All we want is you. I want you to go quickly to Luke chapter 10. I believe God has been pleased with our worship, but I'm on assignment this morning. Luke chapter 10, and I want you to look at verse number 25. All we want is you. Hallelujah. Sweet spirit of worship in this place. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to be reading 25 through verse 37. I want you to understand this morning, this is a message. Typically, I ask God to give me messages for the local body, but this is a message for the body at large, the body at large. I believe God has me on assignment um, for the next several weeks. So I want us to go to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible declares, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, then Jesus says, He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. I believe there's some preachers that have passed by. Verse 32 says, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Many of us are seeing people hurting and are passing by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set it, setting him on his own animal, brought him into an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took some denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. That's good news to me. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves. This is Jesus speaking. And verse 37 says, and he said, he who showed mercy on him, then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Verse 29 again, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? I want you to um, be seated in the presence of the Lord. I think the sad commentary concerning the body of Christ in 2020 is so many black Christians are still asking, will you be my neighbor? And in 2020, so many non-black Christians 
are still asking, watch this and don't get mad at me disingenuously, who is my neighbor? How do I know? Because much of the body of Christ is segmented and operating in silos. I want y'all to share this because this is not a message for the way church. This is a message for the body. All right. We've created barriers by way of our doctrine. This is why we got apostolic and we got Kojic and we've separated ourselves. We got Southern Baptist and we got non-denominational. We have created um, barriers by way of doctrine. And watch this. We've also created barriers by way of denominations. We've created barriers. Watch this. Even by way of our expression of worship, if you don't worship like this, I can't worship with you. And and therefore, allowing our, our, our barriers in the body of Christ, watch this, although distinct by color of skin. So so, so in other words, we've created these barriers that have caused us to draw lines between colors in the body of Christ. We've coined doctrinal differences denominational affiliations and worship differences as false and they fueled our continued divisions. Y'all got to stay with me and I want you to stay with me good because I want this to be interactive. But notice what I just said. All right. We've created even barriers in the body of Christ by distinction of color. So you got the white church, you got the black church, you got the Hispanic church and in the body of Christ, it should not be. And hear this. Racial injustices and racism are bred and fed by way of division. So as long as we continue to divide ourselves as a body of Christ, there will also always be racism and racial injustices because it's fed on by division. All right. So as long as the enemy can sow seeds of disdain concerning our differences, then racial disunity will always continue to be prevalent in the body of Christ. I need y'all to stay with me. All right. As long as we say I can't worship with that denomination, as long as we say they have a different expression of worship and I can't do them in the body of Christ, as long as we get caught up, if we go down in Jesus name or in the name of the son and the father and the Holy Ghost, as long as we have those differences, watch this racism and racial injustice will always be with us because it's fed by way of division. Why is this significant? Why is this significant? Because as long as racial disunity is present in the body of Christ, we will continue to negate the plea of Christ in John 17, 21. As long as we have racism, some of us don't want to deal with it. All right. We don't want to deal with this issue because it's too difficult. But if we continue with it, we'll always negate the plea of Christ. Watch what Jesus says in John 17, 21. I pray that they will be all one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, I am in you, and they may be in us. Watch this so that the world might believe you sent me. As long as we have racism and as long as we're divided in the body of Christ, then the world will not believe that Jesus has been sent by God. So the more than the decrease of disproportionate violence against people of color. I'm beyond that, y'all. More than the vindication of people of color through the pleas for justice. More than our vindication, the reason why believers of all colors must be on one accord concerning the sin of racial injustices because it validates the person, the power, and the purpose of Christ in the body. Okay, keep not addressing the issue and we'll never realize the purpose the power and the person of Christ because it's validated through our unity. 
Our unity validates that God sent Jesus as our Messiah. Y'all got to share this. There's, there's some people that don't look like us that need to hear this message. So hear this. The response of the church to our nation's countless acts of racial injustices makes it hard to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. The, the, the longer that the church is divided on this, the longer that the world will not know that he is who he says he is. And watch this, y'all got to, and I, I hope we can pull up this slide, pull up this slide, this, this slide for me, um, 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 Sharla. The church has downplayed the issue of racial injustice. That, that's one of the problems. We've downplayed it. The church has long disregarded the issue of racism and racial injustice. Y'all don't hear nobody preaching about that no more because we've disregarded it. And not only that, the church has diverted from the issue of racial injustice and racism. We've downplayed it. We disregarded it. We've diverted it. And the church is divided on the issue of racial injustice. Some churches, and I'm going to go deep, y'all, some that may say that I'm Southern Baptist, that's not our issue. Some that say that I'm, I'm, I was born in Kojic and we don't deal in political issues and issues of that nature, we've become divided on the issue. And, and hear this. The, the world won't believe that Christ is divine as long as the church continues to be divided on the issues of racial injustices. As long as we're divided, the world won't believe that God is that Christ is divine. And here's some common rhetoric. Here's some common rhetoric from the church concerning racism. It, it's included this. How do we downplay racism? We, we say stuff like this. Let's focus on the sentiment rather than focus on racism. But hear this, you can't address sin without being specific. It's not that we qualify sin, but you do have to identify sin. And the problem with the church is that we've downplayed racism, and we just say it's a sin issue, it's an issue of men's hearts. Yes, it is, but whenever Paul would call out sin, he wouldn't qualify it, but he would identify it. So if there's a church that has downplayed th this thing called racism and racial injustice, God is calling you to call it out. And many of us have disregarded racism. What, what do I mean? We say that racism isn't an issue. It, slavery no longer exists. We look at, look at the progress of black people. We've disregarded racism. Yet, watch this, to deny one's reality causes us to negate their restoration. If my wife said that I hurt her in this manner, no, look how well I've grown as a husband. No, look how much I've done for you. I negate her reality, and I also negate her restoration. We've got to address it, and we've got to address it head on. And not only that, we've diverted from racism. What do I mean? Oh, it's about disrespecting the flag. Oh, oh, oh all lives matter. Or oh, 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 even blue lives matter. No one is saying that other issues are not egregious. But what we are saying is what you never give undivided attention to will never be addressed. I, I, I'm not saying that the killing of police officers is not bad. I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't respect our flag or give honor to whom honor is due. But if you never give your undivided attention to an issue, that issue will never be addressed. We've got to start, stop diverting from racism. And we've been divi divided on racism. Some people saying we shouldn't pray. Just pro you, you, should, you should pray, not protest. We should preach, not engage in politics. 
or we should be patient and wait on the promise of God and not promote what they consider non-gospel issues. We're divided, y'all. Some folks saying pray, some saying protest. Some saying preach, some say get involved in politics. And we're all divided, all while denying the power of the person and the purpose of Christ. And if we can be honest, most of this rhetoric, don't I love all my brothers and sisters in Christ, so y'all need to stay with me. I've invited some brothers and sisters that don't look like me to watch this live this morning. All, most of this rhetoric is coming from a portion of the body of Christ that racial injustices has not adversely impacted. People that don't look like you and me. Most of the rhetoric has come from a segment of the body of Christ that don't look like me and you. That means we're divided in our rhetoric, we're divided in our responses, and we're divided even in our biblical revelations on racial injustices. Therefore, racism has not just simply been, been a black and white issue or a black and white issue versus white issue in the world. It's been that in the church. So, so racism and racial injustice, y'all got to stay with me because I'm teaching this morning and I need us to get an understanding of this, that racism has been a black and white issue. Watch this in the body of Christ. It's been a black versus white issue in the body of Christ. Notice this. Notice certain preachers of another color and notice preachers of blacks, black preachers. They're divided on how we deal with this issue even in the body of Christ. I'm going to preach from um, restoration, y'all. Don't get mad. Nobody get mad. Therefore, more than ever, as a collective body of believers, we must pursue racial unity in the midst of unrest. Because watch this. Whenever this type of divide creeps into the church, the enemy wins. I'm saying this this morning so that the enemy won't win. All right, so over the course of these next few weeks, I want to have a discussion about what many may consider controversial. Many may think this is challenging, but prayerfully this will be convicting as we um, find a biblical approach to racial reconciliation and unity in the body of Christ. We will examine racial injustices and racism as a historical issue. All right, we got to know the history of, of this issue. It's a heart issue. We're going to look at it as a habit issue. And we're also going to look at it from a holistic issue. I'm going to bring some of my white pastor friends to join me right here so we can dialogue about this. It's going to be a holistic issue. But this morning, I want to talk about racism and racial injustice as a hurt issue. All right? So if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about it as a hurt issue this morning. And throughout this series, I'm going to stay in one text. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37 is going to give us the answers to racial unity. And we're going to examine the parable of this good Samaritan. And here's one thing I want you to understand about why I'm pulling this for this, this discussion that we're going to have over these next few weeks. All right? Because Samaritans and Jews, watch this, hated each other. All right? they, they, they were considered, Samaritans were considered a mixed breed that they did not belong in the same company in light of the Jews. And think about this, a priest 
was a Jew. The, the Levite in this text was a Jew. So, so we make this assumption that this man who was wounded was most likely a Jew because he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, so, so we can make that assertion in the text, and, and it, it, it brings light to why that, that, that if Jews, if a Samaritan can help a Jew, why can't a white person help a black person? Why, 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 why can't a black person in the body of Christ help a white person in the body of Christ? Why can't we come together in unity as it pertains to racial injustices? And, I, and, I, and how the truths of this parable admonishes us as believers to see all within the body of Christ as our neighbor. And hear this, I want to talk about a few misconceptions of our mandate before I go into my text. Misconceptions, and we can go to the next slide, I want them to see this. Before I examine our text, it's vital to address the common misconception concerning our mandate to address racism and racial injustices. Many see racial injustices as a carnal cause rather than a cause of Christ. The reason why some people in the church don't want to deal with it, because we see it as carnal. Right? But he, or a worldly issue rather than the will of God. Yet it's vital to understand that we serve a God of justice. A God of justice. If you put that and you you watching, put that in the comment box. I serve a God of justice. That's Psalm 33, 5, Psalm 37, 28, and Psalm 89, 14. And the other thing, throughout scripture, we are admonished to do justice. So, so, so somebody say, I, I'm called to do justice. That's Psalm 106.3, Proverbs 21.3, and Micah 6 and 8. So we serve this God of justice, and we also are called to do justice. So if you sit on the sideline concerning racial injustice and racism, you are not doing the mandate that God has called you to do as a believer. As it was for Dr. MLK, scripture is clear, so it is for God. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And Psalm 97.2 reminds us that justice, watch this, is the foundation of his throne. This is what Psalm 97.2 says, justice is his foundation. So where there's a segment in the body of Christ that does not um, 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 fight for justice for another, body of, uh, for another part of the body of Christ, we negate the foundation of God. Therefore, racial injustice grieves the heart of God. And he desires for racial injustice to move the heart of his people to dispense justice where un injustice is present. Even more, watch this, God sees the oppression of his people and responds to the oppression of his people. That's Exodus 3 and 7, Psalm 12 and 5, and Psalm 22, 14. And that includes oppression due to racial injustice. Whenever God sees oppression, he moves on it. So if I don't move, I don't move. If I don't move at the sign of racial injustice, then I don't move with the heart of God. If I don't move at the sign of racial injustice and racism, I don't move with the heart of God. He expects the saint of God, saints of God to rescue those who are oppressed as well. Therefore, racial injustice is a problem for God and a problem for every believer. And racial unity is the pursuit of God and must be the pursuit of every believer. I hope y'all just heard me. Racial unity is the pursuit of God and it should be the pursuit of every believer. So let's examine the text. Here's the first thing. I, I said that, this, that, that racial injustice and racism is a hurt issue. And the first thing I need us to know, if you're taking notes, is hurt is evidence. Hurt is evidence. Apparent hurt is hurt that must be addressed. And despite what progress we think we've made, 
racism and racial injustice is still apparent, it's still obvious, and it's still an evident issue. It's an evident issue. Consider our text. Three men passed by and saw this one that was wounded, but only one stopped to help. It's important to know that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was well-traveled. So if someone was hurt on this path, at some point, somebody would see our notice. And the Bible was clear that as the priest passed, he saw him. As the Levite passed, he saw him, but they both walked on the other side. It's no different in the body of Christ. If we're in this journey together, then we should notice the evident hurt of those that we worship with those that we study God's word with, and those that we fellowship with. If you are in the body and you don't recognize the hurt of another portion of the body, then something's wrong with your relationship to the body. So, so if we have difficulty seeing the hurt of racism or racial injustice in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, then maybe we're not truly in relationship with them. That, 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 that's some, so, the, so, so how do I know? How do I know? Because we are admonished to bear one another's burdens. That's Galatians 6 and 2. The Bible also admonishes us to forgive one another. That's Colossians 3.13. And we're called to intercede for one another. That's James 5.16. But watch this. You can't effectively bear nobody else's burdens. You can't effectively forgive anybody or intercede void of relationship. Y'all put that in the comment box. I have to be in relationship. Because, because relationships reveal what we need bearing in. Relationships reveal what we need forgiveness from. Relationships reveal what we need intercession for. So, so if I don't recognize the hurt in another brother and sister in Christ, then I'm not really in relationship with them. That's a problem, y'all. So maybe the reason you don't know that I face racism is because you're not really in relationship with me. That, that's, that's a critical question that a lot of brothers and sisters of Christ that don't look like me got to ask themselves. If I've got a brother in Christ that's not the same skin tone as me, and you don't realize that racism is an issue or racial injustice is an issue, then maybe you're not in relationship or true, authentic relationship with that brother and sister in Christ like you thought you were. The body of Christ is diverse, and hear this, so should be your relationships. The reason why I can call up some white pastor friends of mine, because I got white pastors that I'm in relationship with. So if all your relationships look like you, that's a problem. Because the body of Christ is diverse, and so should your relationships. And, and watch this. The disproportionate wealth gap between blacks and other races is evident. If you're in relationship, you'll recognize that. The overwhelming number of blacks incarcerated is evident. If you're not in a relationship, you wouldn't know that. The countless videos of police brutality is evident. Even more, watch this. If you find trouble identifying with racism and racial injustice, maybe simply it's because you ignored it. Maybe it's not that you're not in a relationship. Maybe if you can't identify it, maybe you just ignored it. Our text says that once the priest and the Levite saw the man hurting, they passed by him. So it's not that they didn't see it, they just simply ignored it. Because those who don't get involved in the hurt of another will simply ignore the hurt of another. So the question we gotta ask ourselves is, how many times have we ignored 
the hurts of our brother and sister in Christ. I saw it, but I just didn't want to get involved. I, I recognize that they're going through with that issue over there, but I just did not get involved. If so, why did you ignore their hurt, especially that of racial injustice? That, that's a tough question for somebody. If I know that my brother and sister dealt with it, why did I ignore it? Here, here, here may be some reasons why. Did we have more pressing concerns? Maybe the priest had a prayer gathering to go to. Maybe he had a preaching assignment. That's why he passed by. Did, did, did we not see it as a problem? Maybe that's, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I, that, that, that's not my problem. Or did we feel ill-equipped to become personally involved? I'm not a medic. I don't know how to deal with his injury. Maybe those are some questions why we've ignored it. We felt we had a, a more pressing concern. We didn't see it as a problem, or we did not feel ill-equipped to become personally involved. For so many in the body of Christ, it's not that we're not educated concerning racism and racial injustice. It's just that we did not want to get engaged in it. It's not that we're not educated about the sin. We just did not want to get engaged. And hear this. Here's a word of wisdom. I would venture to say that ignoring racism is far worse than being ignorant of racism. I hope y'all just heard what I said. Ignoring racism may be far worse than being ignorant of racism. Why? Consider Matthew 25 through 41. The, the, the Bible talks about the, the, these, these believers, our so-called believers coming to Jesus, and he says, um, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Because he says, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then, then these, these believers, our so-called believers said, when did we see you sick and not do that, Jesus? When did we see you hungry and not do this? And then he says, um, surely I say to you, in as much um, that you did not do this to the least of these, you did not do it to me. So if I see my brother in Christ hurting from racism and racial injustice, when we get to glory, God is going to say, you saw me hurting and you ignored me. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laying the foundation for why this is a hurt issue. It, it, it hurts, and we need to understand the depth of this hurt. Jesus declared that there are, watch this, eternal implications when we ignore the causes of Christ that are evident. And the hurt of racism and racial injustice is evident. That's my first point. And we, we, we need to put that down. Put that in the comment box. Hurt is evident. And especially hurt of racism and racial injustice is evident. Here's the second thing that I see concerning us. Hurt is not equal. Comparing hurts negates our ability to effectively care for one's hurt. All right, and my wife likes to say this all the time. She has a, a, a higher pain tolerance. And, and many times, if I have the same injury, we'll like to say, well, she got over it quicker than you did, but we should never compare hurts because I'll never be able to effectively care for one's hurt. The text says, watch this, that a certain man was hurt on this journey. That means affliction is personal. And this is why we cannot compare the plight of one's hurt to the plight of another's hurt, because affliction is personal, all right? How, how do I know? Hagar's affliction was personal. 
That's Genesis 16, 11. The children of Israel's affliction was personal. That's Exodus 4, 31. And Hannah's affliction was personal. That's 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. So that means no one is negating that all lives matter. I know I got the shirt on today, y'all. No one is negating that blue lives don't matter. But what we are saying, that the afflictions of black lives are personal. No, no, nobody's saying that all lives don't matter. We, anybody with a little bit of common sense understands it. Nobody's saying, listen, I have a brother-in-law who works in law enforcement and his life matters. But what I am saying is that the hurt of, of, of black lives has been personal because the afflictions of every believer is not one and the same. Y'all know, watch this, that, that, that one believer can go through childhood sexual abuse and that hurt can be totally different from another believer that goes through childhood sexual abuse because my affliction is personal. Because, of, uh, watch this, uh, we must not attempt to care about another person's hurt, um, but we should, rather than compare them to another person's hurt. In other words, my, my attempt should always be to care and not compare. I, I need to care and not compare. The hurt of racism and racial injustice is not equal. It's not equal. It is not equal. Please put that in the comment box. The hurt of racism and racial injustice is not equal. If we can be honest, the reason that many don't want to address the hurt that is personal is because many believers are filled with pride. The reason why many believers don't want to address hurt that is personal because many believers are filled with pride. How do I know? Pride will declare that they deserve the hurt. I'm void of grace. Pride says, I'm, uh, when, when I'm prideful, I'm void of grace. So what they got, they deserve. That you, you got one, one lady saying, I will never consider George Floyd a martyr because he had a criminal record. So, so what, he, what she's saying is that that hurt that he received was deserved, and that's a person that's full of pride. Pride will say uh, that they, they will declare that their hurt can be disregarded because it has no merit. Why y'all still talking about that? Because it has no merit. You, we, we've been over this. Y'all done got legislation that passed that gives you rights. And really what you're saying is that I'm full of pride. And pride will declare that their hurt is demonic. What, I, what do I mean? It's just manufactured. That, that, that stuff that they bring up, that's just made up stuff. They don't really hurt that bad. It ain't really that bad. Y'all got to protest for all these days. It don't really hurt that bad. That's demonic. It's manufactured. But really what you are is full of pride. Some believers won't admit it, but the reason they can't address racism and racial injustice is because they are full of pride. This is why, watch this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Psalm 123, verse 4. Psalm 123, verse 4, reminds us where there are prideful people, so there will also be contempt. All right? Wherever there's pride, you'll also find contempt. And here's what contempt means. A feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless, or deserving of scorn. And contempt will always cause you to compare hurts. I promise you, some people are doing this unknowingly, but the reason why they keep bringing up Blue Lives Matter when we got talking about this issue, the reason why they keep bringing up All Lives Matter is because you're full of pride. This ain't me telling you, this is the Bible telling you. 
right? And, and, and it, it's always under the guise of concern for others' hurts, but it's really pride. Y'all know how to, no, we really care about blue lives. We really care about all lives. It's really that I just have a concern for the hurts of others. No, when you all, when you isolate hurt or compare hurt, it's because you're full of pride. Don't, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Psalm 123, verse 4. So if you easily watch this, bring up the hurts of others when confronted with racism and racial injustice, then you may want to ask the Lord, to examine your heart for pride. When when my wife says that I did something that hurt her, I don't bring up some other woman and say, what about how she dealt with this when her husband did that? Because really what it said, I'm full of pride. And I'm trying to belittle or disregard or downplay her hurt. So if I always compare the hurt of another when I'm confronted with this issue of racism and racial injustice, I need to ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart and see if there's any pride in me. And hear this, affliction assigned is a sign so that means you will not experience every affliction, but that does not negate your uh, assignment or responsibility to have empathy for every affliction. I hope y'all heard what I just said. Affliction is a sign. I've already said that. Every affliction is personal. Personal. What my wife goes through, I may not necessarily go through because God assigns levels of affliction. And, and, And because I won't experience every affliction, that does not negate my ability to have empathy for somebody else's affliction. I, here's what I'm trying to say. Some, some, somebody may have been sexually abused, but that's not my hurt. But that does not negate my responsibility as a believer to um, dispense or have a level of empathy for someone who did. And the problem is, many people, because racism ain't my issue, because I don't experience racial injustice, I don't feel like I should extend empathy to something I've never experienced. Tell your neighbor, it's not so, it's not so. And notice this. I'm going to give you Bible because this ain't Pastor Keith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. I want you to write that down. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me of, a, of his prisoner. But notice what Paul says, but share with me in the sufferings. The word share in our text is the Greek word, which means to identify closely with. That, in other words, our hearts, our hurts don't have to be the same in order for us to share in another's hurts. And that includes racism and racial injustice. Paul said, I know that you ain't a prisoner like me. I know you haven't faced these same afflictions as me. But he says, share in my sufferings. And also a lot of black believers are just saying to other believers that are not people of color, we're just asking, will you share in our sufferings? Share with us in our sufferings. And the reason why is because our hurt is not equal. So our hurt is evident. And our hurt is not equal. And I'm going to be out your way. Here's the next thing I want you to know. Our hurt is elongated. Our hurt is elongated. That word should be on the screen. The journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is approximately 18 miles. Plus those who travel this path will have to descend about a half a mile in in elevation. So it was a path 
that went like this, y'all. It was at an angle, and I had to descend about a half a mile. It was 18 miles to get from Jerusalem to Jericho, and then I had to descend a half a mile. And watch this, through desert terrain, it was, it was, a, it was a place full of extreme heat. So that means for the man in our text, this journey was long. It was a long journey. And even more, verse 30 of our foundational text describes his hurt in this manner. Notice what verse 30 says. It says, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So that means not only was his journey long, but his recovery was going to be long. Y'all see that in the text? Took his clothes, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So he had a long journey. Wherever his destination, it was long. And not only that, he was left half dead, so his recovery was going to be long. Here's what I'm trying to say. As it is no different for racism and racial injustice. The journey for, these, for blacks in this country has been long. If you negate that, then there's something wrong with you. All right? And the recovery from the hurt will be long. It's not. I know you passed the legislation, but we still got a long way to go. All right. Although slavery ended in 1865, segregation ended in 1954, the fact that racism and racial injustice still exists reveals the fact that the hurt of people of color has been elongated. The very reason that we're still dealing with this issue in 2020 needs to let you know that this hurt has been elongated. I want to tell you what that means. It's defined as to draw out to a greater length, lengthening or to extend. So this means racial unity will never be achieved until we acknowledge that the hurt and racism of racial injustice has been drawn out longer than the hurts of some others. Y'all, a lot of people think black folk are complaining. That, that, that's not the case. What, what we're saying is, is that our hurt has been so long that means the recovery will also be long as well. Our hurt has been drawn out, right? Because hear this, hurt is always confined by time. I want y'all to put that in the comment box. Hurt is confined by time. How do I know? The hurt of the children of Israel in Egypt was confined by time. It's over 400 years. They were hurt. The hurt of Job was confined by time. He suffered starting in chapter 1. And it lasted for 42 chapters. It was confined by time. The hurt of Jesus on the cross was confined by time. He was on the cross for six hours. Why is this significant? Because if you don't understand the depth of one's hurt, then you will never be able to appropriately deal with one's hurt. This is why the reason when folk, you can't get mad when people say that slavery was over 400 years. You, you, you can't get mad when people say it was just about 60 years ago when segregation ended. What we're really trying to do is explain the depth of our hurt. Because if I don't know the depth of, our, of one's hurt, I'll never be able to deal with it appropriately. Here's what I'm trying to say. I may put a Band-Aid on my baby Soraya's um, knee because it got scraped up, but if I don't know that she really has a fracture in her kneecap, I won't be able to deal with it appropriately, and it will never heal appropriately. So all we're trying to get you to understand is, is that our hurt has been elongated. And here's the significant problem with the body of Christ when it comes to racism and racial injustices. 
many people stay surface concerning the issue. And this is why we've yet to solve the issue. Uh, we'll just have a prayer walk. I was asking my wife. I love the prayer walks. It's good. I'm not knocking those. But we've had them before. And, and how long, I asked her, how long do you think this is going to last? We'll do a few prayer walks. We'll do a few panel discussions. And we'll say, oh, we dealt with the issue. But I want you to know this morning, that's remaining surface. As long as we remain surface with the issue, we'll never be able to appropriately solve the issue. There are layers and length to racism and racial injustice. I'm trying to educate somebody this morning. The reason why I'm still here is because there's layers and there's links to it, all right? And, and we must be able to dig through each layer and hear this, discern the length of racism and racial injustice because the hurt is elongated. And if you're unwilling to take a long look at racism and racial injustice, you will never be able to help another recover who has been impacted by racism and racial injustice. I'm asking us to be the body of Christ this morning. You may not experience racism and racial injustice, but you need to take a long look at it. Because if you don't take a long look, you'll never be able to help someone who needs to recover from the length of which they've been impacted by racism and racial injustice. So we must understand that as believers, we're called to be people of hope. I get that. I, I said this in a commentary, but it's beyond difficult for many of us to negate the feeling that it still hurts. I know that as a black man and as a black preacher and as a black believer that I'm supposed to stand on nothing less but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I know that my soul has been anchored and that's where my hope is, but it does not negate the fact that racism and racial injustice still hurts. I, I was telling one of my white brothers on yesterday, I'm a degreed man. I've got several degrees. I'm a man that's a, man, a husband of one wife. I'm a father to two beautiful black children. But watch this. I've still been in stores and people have asked me, can I help you? And I know it was disingenuous because of the color of my skin. That still hurts. It hurts to be profiled due to bias. It hurts to be harassed without warrant. It hurts to be hated without cause. Well, somebody doesn't even want to say hello to me because of the color of my skin. I'm a person of hope, but I'm also a person that hurts. And it hurts to lose our lives even when we comply. I, I tell young men that I work with all the time, just be respectful, just comply. And many black folk are losing their lives even when they comply. It hurts. And our prayer and our desires is that others, watch this, will simply validate our hurt. And rather than demonize the fruit of our hurt, and many people are saying, black folk are doing too much. You're demonizing our hurt. You're saying that it don't take all that, and you're demonizing our hurt. You're saying that you prayed and you protested years ago while you're still doing it today, and you're demonizing the fruit of our hurt. We're asking you to validate our hurt. If we want to find racial unity in the midst of unrest, then the entire body of Christ must acknowledge this hurt. And the problem is, is not only a section of the body of Christ has. We've got black folks standing at the front line acknowledging the hurt. And I'm not negating. And watch this. Nobody take away that Pastor Keith is generalizing this. I'm not. There's some white brothers and sisters 
that are walking alongside us. Yes, they are. There's some white pastors that are trying to do the right thing. Yes, there are. I'm not generalizing this, but what I'm saying is going to take the entire body. That the hurt of those impacted by racism and racial injustice, it's evident. It's not equal and it's elongated. And hear this, acknowledging this hurt of our brothers and sisters in Christ is the first step in healing the hurt and unifying us as a body. All we're asking is that you acknowledge it. You, if you don't effectively acknowledge it, you'll never be able to help us in our hurt. And that's what I'm asking on this morning. And that's my prayer this morning. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. God, this is an issue that many of us have ignored. God, many people of color are asking our other brothers and sisters in Christ, will you be our neighbor? We've been left, we've been wounded, we've been stripped, and we've been left half dead. Not physically, God, but emotionally, we're half dead. Not, not, not spiritually, God, not physically, but spiritually, God, many of us have been left half dead because we've been beaten and wounded by the sin of racism and racial injustice. And God, we're asking God for our brothers and sisters to be our neighbor. I don't want this to come off as the angry black preacher, but this is a plea and a cry for help. Don't demonize the fruit of our hurt. We can't negate the fact that it hurt. We're people of hope, God, but it hurt. And God, my prayer is, God, that the entire body of Christ, and I'm not just talking about white Christians, I'm talking about some black Christians as well. God, they don't realize that our hurt is evident. God, it's in plain sight. We got social media in our phones that have taken videos of it. God, it's evident. God, we pray, God, that, that many in the entire body of Christ will realize, God, that our hurt is not equal. You may have been hurt, but it's not like the black lives that have been hurt. And it's okay because affliction is personal. And God, we have to recognize that our hurt has been elongated. God, we've been hurt for so long. And our recovery to healing will be long as well. Let us all acknowledge that, God. And if we can do that, God, we can move towards healing. I pray, God, for my own heart and the words that have come out of my mouth. God, I pray, God, that my brothers and sisters in Christ have received this, not as one who has a bent or a bias, not as one, God, who is coming with a sense of or a spirit of wrath, but one of love, asking a genuine question for the entire body of Christ to see one another as our neighbors, and that we'll love one another, uh, our neighbors, as we love ourselves and love the Lord God with all of our hearts. We thank you and adore you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.